Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Alrighty, folks, we have the one and only and great Anna Kelly with us. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing great. So good to be here with you always on our lovely Wednesday mornings. Yeah, can you believe it's been three or four years for us doing this? It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, yes, my pleasure. So we got to talk about the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room this time is the Fed trying to voice an opinion that they may have to break the economy. First, we had uh, the SOP uh, or, uh, coming out and talking about, or SEP, I guess, economic uh, projections, looking at higher for longer, another rate hike this year, if you believe them, you know, no rate cuts or no rate cuts till Q4. Then we have Neil Kashkari coming out and saying 40% chance rates are going to go meaningfully higher. Then you got Jamie Dimon talking about rates may have to go to seven. Fed funds of seven. I mean, I, I can only imagine. So, Anna, is the Fed talking a game? Does the Fed want to break the economy? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> so, yes and yes. You know, we, we have what we like to call Fed speak. Um, and, you know, I will say this Powell, compared to former Fed chairman, has been much more open about what he really thinks. He still uses Fed speak. Um, but he has been from the beginning, once they, you know, basically concluded that they were wrong, that inflation was transitory. He has basically been saying from the beginning, this is going to cause some pain. We need wages to be in balance. We need housing prices to be in balance. And that Fed speak means we need to break wages and bring them down. We need to break the cost of housing and bring it down. And when he says there's going to be some pain, he means we're going to cause a recession. Now, I know a lot of people have questioned that and said, you know, it's just, you know, tough talk. We don't believe him. The market showed that they didn't believe him. But he has been pretty consistent saying um, in, in Fed speak that we are going to keep rates high. It may take some time. He likes to use the word for some time because it's kind of ambiguous, right? Mm -hmm. But he has been basically telling us at least for a year, almost a year and a half, Michael, that we expect this to take some time. And they, they thought in January their terminal rate might need to be close to five. So they told us this nine months ago. People are acting really surprised right now, but it's because they doubted that he was telling the truth. They thought mm -hmm. he can't be too soft or the markets will rally, which is true. The consumer will be overconfident and keep spending, which is true. And that would hurt them in their fight against inflation. So, you know, yes, there's a lot of this is talk, but I, I believe Powell, I believe that they are planning to keep rates higher for longer. And part of the reason I believe that, um, barring some, you know, outside forces that cause a break, which could still happen. And basically the markets are, they're, they're kind of 
on one hand, not believing Powell, but on the other hand, they think if he keeps going too high, it will break a lot of things and therefore he'll have to pivot and they're still hoping for that pivot. But essentially, if we look at inflation, and this is what Jamie Dimon was talking about a little bit this week, and we look at you and I've talked about this on this show for a year, at least, if you look at the labor force and the fact that there is lower labor force participation than there has been in many, many years for many different reasons. And because of that declining demographics of less people entering the labor force compared to those that are exiting the baby boomer generation, for example, that means that fewer workers are available for open jobs and we can demand higher wages. Just like you see today, you see all of these you know, union fights and strikes for higher wages in multiple different industries. That's kind of endemic and emblematic of what's happening with this labor shortage that pushes wages higher. And because that is very difficult to fix, Michael, and it's really outside of the Fed's control, what's happening there, that's going to keep wage inflation high. When you add that to some of the deglobalization that's coming back and the costs of that, that means we have more inflationary pressures tomorrow than we actually do in, by some estimates today, and certainly higher than what we had you know, yeah. pre-pandemic and pre the last couple of years. And so I agree with Jamie Dimon. I agree with some of these, you know, Fed governors or Fed um, presidents at, at their different regional offices that inflation is not going to go away easy, and therefore it may cause at least longer rates and potentially higher rates for longer. Yeah, I, I think where the Fed is at is I think they're generally surprised that inflation has come down from 9.1 at the peak to, I think, currently 3.7. Of course, that's headline. We'll get PC on Friday, so we'll see where that's at. And the the job market has been robust for yes. lots of reasons. I think they were generally surprised by that. But I think what the Fed is telling us now is they're willing to break the job market. I think that's what they're telling us. And you're right. These strikes, uh, labor, in my opinion, hasn't gotten a fair share in 40 years. They're right. getting theirs, right? Started with UPS or the airline pilots, depending on the order. Uh, the, the Writers Guild just ended a 100-day strike. UAW is on strike. I don't know if you saw it, but this morning or maybe yesterday, the Las Vegas Hospitality Group approved a strike, 95%. That's 60,000 oh. people. So they're not on strike yet, but they have the right to call it at any time. So and airline workers are on strike. There's more coming. There's a lot more coming. and For sure. You know, if UAW gets a 40% bump, let's just play with the math for their for their folks. Sure, the big autos could eat some margin, no doubt. No, that'll be some of that. But that has inflationary costs at some level. I mean, for sure. Cars are gonna go up. I mean, you can't have everybody making 40% more and not think the price of a car is not going up. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Absolutely. It, it's that classic wage price spiral that, you know, the Fed is worried about. And so if people have more money, then they go spend more money. Look yeah. at, you know, this year wages were up. Now on an inflation adjusted basis, let's get real. Wages yeah. are not up on an inflation adjusted basis, but yeah. wages have generally gone up. People got raises oftentimes that's in January or February. And what did the consumer do? They spent like crazy over the summer, especially on eating out and especially younger um, millennials, Gen X, 
the next generation. I mean, they're they're basically going out and spending a whole lot of money on food and leisure and entertainment as if, you know, they got rich when they got a raise. And so the reality is if people really understood that their wages on an inflation adjusted basis have, have not kept up with inflation, then yes, they're finally saying, wait a second, corporate corporate profit margins have been through the roof in certain sectors. Where is our piece of it? It's just like consumers going to bank yeah. and going, wait a second, we're giving you all these deposits. You're giving us nothing on our savings account. What are we going to do? We're going to move it somewhere else because yeah. the consumer's kind of starting to finally waken up and say, we really aren't keeping up with the cost of inflation. We need higher wages. And when they do get higher wages, if we have some recessionary conditions and they keep their jobs, they're going to still feel rich. They're going to feel richer than they were before when inflation starts to come down. And, and they may still continue to buy goods and services and keep those prices up because you know the corporations, as their profit margins are squeezed for paying higher wages, they have to hope they can raise the price of their goods and that people making more money are going to continue to buy. And that's generally happens with this classic wage price spiral. But it means the Fed's job gets harder and harder unless they try to tame it now and do what they can. Literally, let's not mince words, to cause a recession, to cause employers to have to say, OK, you may be paying people more. But you need to lay people off um, and, and you need to start reducing your, your cost and your profit margin and, and cause a recession. So I think the Fed knows that a lot of their monetary policy and keeping rates low for a very, very low, long period of time has allowed inflation to become you know, the kind of issue that it is, create asset bubbles, huge you know, corporate profits, um, very low debt service payments. And they know they do this over and over and over again, Michael. The only way to really stop it is to cause pain in the economy, start a recession, you know, let the zombie companies fail, let others go bankrupt. It's going to hurt the consumer. But in their estimation, a recession, you know, an average recession lasts 10 to 18 months, you know, in general. And so they're going to go, let's, let's let people be laid off. We have unemployment, you know, don't forget there are those benefits out there um, and unemployment's fairly high right now. And we can start over and it will cool things off. And, and they believe it's better for the consumer to have, you know, 5% unemployment, maybe 10. I don't think it, it will go that high. Um, but even if they had to cause a five or 10 unemployment for, you know, 10 to 18 months, they believe that's better for most Americans than inflation continuing to get out of control. Yeah, this is going to be finance, you know, fascinating to watch. I mean, we talked about inflation for a year now having three components. There was the goods or stuff, that's over. There was shelter, which now is officially rolling over, but you know, we'll have many more months to come. And then there's the third bucket, aka services, and it is going to be sticky for quite a while i think that's 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 always been the hardest part and that's where we are it, it is and you know the, the reality is as much as everybody wants a housing crash the fed broke supply and so they're not going to have this housing crash in general across the country um that that many people were expecting or that sometimes happens um if you have you know variable rate mortgages like a lot of the world does but the U.S. having fixed rate mortgages and the average being about 3.6 percent, 
they're just not going to get this huge supply that's going to cause housing to come down. So what that means, I think, Michael, if you look at the components, I know people are going to, are saying, well, the housing component's going to roll off and it's going to be lower. But the reality is most of the country, rents are flat to still up slightly. Yes, there's these big cities that rents have come down. Um, those that were up astronomically, you know, 20 or 30 percent. But even if they went up 20 percent and now they come down one, they're still up relative, you know, to where they had been. And so I don't see the housing component coming meaningfully lower like some people do, uh, because the reality is more and more people need to rent. The cost to own a property that we rent out to others has gone up substantially with insurance and taxes alone, even if everything else was stable. And that forces everybody to raise rents while people can't afford a house. And so, again, this lack of supply of housing and, and unaffordability for people to buy I think it's going to actually keep rents fairly stable. And if you look back at the last great financial crisis, even though that was our deepest recession, despite the fact that housing was in a slump per se, you know, rents nationwide were pretty stable, um, big outliers in different cities. But I know where we were, you know, we, we continued to have people pay rent. We stayed occupied. And so market by market is very different. But all that to say both housing and services are going to be sticky for a while, in my estimation, although, yes, the consumer is finally saying we got to stop spending so much money on discretionary things and goods. And I think that services inflation will start to pull back if we do end up in a recession. And as you look at consumer uh, savings and consumer credit card balances and defaults, and you see that student loans are coming back, you'll really see that that age bracket that has been the most confidence in spending. So if you break out the services inflation and you look at the age group of those that are spending, it's primarily those that are like 35 and under that are actually still, you know, traveling and eating out, et cetera. That's the same cohort that has these big student loans that have to be repaid. And as you see that same cohort's credit card debt go up, and now they add student loans, the spending spree is over. So I do think you're going to start seeing some of that services inflation come down. But wages is the one thing that's going to really be sticky, especially in those lower end jobs. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think you brought it up first. I think we may be in for a couple of years of stagflation. Right. Absolutely. It's just, it just feels like we're it's just going to be choppy sideways, not a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that the, the reality is and and again, we we try to paint a picture of good, bad and ugly and what what's happening, you know, and how that will impact real estate and, and everybody's wealth. But the reality is every time there's these big asset bubbles and then there's these big recessions that kind of clean thing out, clean things out. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, there's increasing wealth gaps. And what you're going to see is, is either stagflation or what we might call a rolling recession, um, that they look very similar. But the reality is people are hoping that the Fed can fix this and fix it quickly. That's what you know the markets have kind of been hoping for. Um, but the reality is, is stagflation is really difficult for the Fed to fix because the tools that you need to get us out of inflation are different and directly opposite of the tools you need to target recession. So when you have a recession, you need to stimulate the economy. You need monetary easing, monetary policy to be easy again. 
low rates um, and money into the system. And that sparks inflation. And when you have inflation, you need to pull money out of the system and raise rates. And, and so they've got these tools that they need to very, very carefully balance. And it could take a long time for them to balance that correctly. I think that they're going to hope that the credit markets and the job markets turn so tight and negative that it allows them to, to be able to switch gears and fight recession when that happens um, and, and be able to let off the gas for inflation for a while. But it's going to be really difficult for them to stimulate out um, without going back to the zero bound rates if we have inflation still here. So higher for longer, it could mean stagflation. It means we're in for a period of less growth and less opportunity for the United States than we saw over the last 10 years. And so, you know, I think what what the so what of all this is, is how does that impact you and I day to day? Um, how does it impact our investing decisions? And one thing that I think we have to really realize and, and, and have a, a healthy dose of realization and realism back our way is that you know this decade of of twenty percent annual returns on our money um, when we can borrow at you know three or four or even high five or six private money you know a few years ago to create these big returns with big rent increases big costs and you know cuts and costs those years are probably going to be harder over the next ten years and. That doesn't mean there's not tremendous opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity when things get painful and when recession comes, you got to be ready for that. Um, and we can make ourselves great returns. But the the general environment for economic growth that we've seen in the past is, is pretty well over and the pain is not done yet. And so we need to be realistic about what we invest in, the type of returns that we view as good returns, we can't compare it to the returns we made before. We have to say, what's good today? What's the treasury rate paying if we wanted to park our cash? Let's get a better return than that. Let's make sure we have a risk premium to where, you know, if we're taking, you know, risk to own a property that's older, that might have people not pay or, you know, mechanical things go wrong. I want to make better than 5% for sure, but I'm probably not going to you know, look for 15 to 20. So if you're analyzing deals and go, I can't get 15 or 20 toss, that might be a mistake. Do great deals for today, that cash flow today, and then, you know, hold them for, for the long term, the years of, you know, flipping and quick turns over money and expecting huge return. They're over for at least a while. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Anna, where can people find you? You can find me here every Wednesday on your channel. You can find me on social media at Anna Kelly, REI Mom, and my website, AnnaKellyInvesting.com. Awesome. Thank you so much.